everyone. Welcome back to the Thrive in EDU podcast. I am Rochelle Denae Poth. Thanks for tuning in. And if you have been listening uh, since I started my podcast back in the beginning of September, then you know that with each episode as I finish it, I'm never really sure what the next episode will be about. Uh, I try to talk about different topics. And so throughout the prior episodes, I've talked about things most recently, such as coding, also collaboration, social emotional learning skills, digital citizenship, also topics like artificial intelligence, um, did some basic ones about like reflection and the importance of mentoring that are pretty much things that educators need to be mindful of today, especially when our lives become so busy. But uh, self-care is one topic that has become a big part of conversations. And so I plan to do a couple more episodes about that as well. But for today's episode, I decided that based on a recent tweet and talk from EduMatch, we did a panel discussion. It was actually the second discussion we had on the topic of the future of work and education. And it was just a really great panel, a lot of um, ideas and resources shared. And I thought just because of what the conversation involved that I would, you know, do this next podcast episode based on that. So if you wanted to tune in, it is EduMatch and Sarah Thomas runs the greatest uh, opportunity for teachers, educators, um, to get involved in conversations on different topics. And so they are held uh, usually on Sunday nights at around 6 p.m. And that's Eastern time. And they last anywhere from 15, 20 minutes to last night's was 40 minutes or even longer. And sometimes they are such great conversations that we decide to have a part two and a part three. So based on our conversation last night, I thought I would kind of carry over into the conversation or carry the conversation over, I should say, into a podcast episode for today. And so the question really was, uh, what can we do to prepare our students? What does the future of education look like? What does the future of work look like? And I had, there were nine of us on panel last night. And so different experiences in education, different roles, um, different number of years involved in teaching or in coaching or in an administrative role. So we definitely had, um, you know, a lot of good perspectives to bring to the conversation and ideas to share. And, you know, one of the questions was, you know, what are the skills that our students will need and how can we prepare them for jobs that we don't even know what's going to exist, jobs that we have now may not exist 5, 10, 15 years in the future, and what types of experiences should our students have? Another part of it was how do we create these authentic and innovative learning opportunities for them that will help them to develop those skills that they will need in the future, all being mindful of the fact that we can't predict exactly what they will need. For us as educators, we need to really look to create these learning opportunities that will enable them to adapt to whatever the landscape of education and work will look like, whether that's two years, five years, 10 years, or longer into the future. And I, I think one of the biggest messages that I took away from our conversation in the Tweet and Talk was we have to start by breaking away from what may have been more traditional practices in our instruction and instead bring in new types of learning experiences for our students and also for ourselves. And I know for myself, that definitely meant stepping out of my comfort zone, uh, taking some risks with learning and doing things unlike I had ever done them in my classroom, giving students more opportunities to lead, to create, to move around the classroom. And that can be uncomfortable, but we need to do that 
to help our students to become better prepared for not even just the future. I mean, we need to help them develop skills that are are very necessary for life now. And we had the conversation last night about what can we do? What can we put into our curriculum that will best prepare our students for their next steps that will promote inquiry, uh, have them curious for learning, become more motivated, more engaged in learning. And one option was just finding ways to give them more authentic learning experiences. And project-based learning is a good way to do that. And I laugh when I say it because I wasn't, I kind of thought I was doing PBL for years, but I found out after reading some books and talking with some educators who actually were doing authentic PBL that I wasn't. I was doing learning based on projects. And so when you do project-based learning, it gives students more ownership, they're more engaged. And I know in my classroom that I just saw a confidence build. They were more comfortable with their peers. They collaborated more. And the types of things they were interested in learning uh, brought so much more into our classroom and it connected them on a global scale. And so throughout the course of the first year, just so much growth in my students and, and definitely in myself because going from, I thought I was doing this right to realizing I was totally doing this wrong and learning with them. And that was something else that was brought up in our panel last night is we have to be co-learners with the students in the classroom. They have as much to teach us as we are going to teach them. And so doing something like PBL is a, a good way to start. Uh, and again, it can be a little bit uncomfortable, especially if you were like me and you think, oh, I was doing this. And then you realize, no, I wasn't. Um, I would recommend checking out the PBL works that is from the Buck Institute of Education, which I mentioned, and I did a, an episode before on PBL. I would also check out the book Pure Genius by Don Wetrick, Hacking Project-Based Learning by Ross Cooper and Aaron Murphy. And also Susie Boss has a great book from ISTE, Reinventing um, and Reimagining, I believe, Project-Based Learning. So I would definitely check those out. Other options brought up last night by um, David Lockett, were you know STEM or STEAM curriculum and giving students the opportunity to kind of work on activities where they can collaborate, they can design a product, uh, create a service, or even in my school, like some students get involved in planning community events. And when we give them the chance to use what they're learning in these STEM or STEAM curriculum or different courses and create something that connects with their interests, it just gives them such an authentic way to learn and to apply what they've learned in our classroom. Uh, and also to design their own learning journey when they go out into the community and they see what things might look like in the real world or real world or to solve real world problems. Also, perhaps, you know, using things like design thinking, a lot of schools are moving to design thinking and helping students kind of build skills in that way, fostering um, a growth mindset and also working on teamwork and collaboration, which are definitely skills our students will need in the future. And we can also do this by personalizing the learning for our students. Um, start with ourselves, create our own learning journey and explore something that we have an interest in or a passionate, or we are passionate about, I should say, and stretch ourselves professionally. And I know that that's not always easy to do. One, because it's a risk, it's uncomfortable. Uh, two, because we don't have enough time. Three, maybe we don't know where to start. But by being connected and breaking away from isolation, which is another thing that I did for many years. I kept myself isolated, but when we have the opportunities to connect with educators from around the world, and there are so many ways to do that, we just need to find something that's comfortable for us and that meets our time. So last night, having the tweet and talk, 
having that set time for 30 minutes to just talk, ask questions, get new ideas is great. Perhaps for you, it's a Twitter chat or following a hashtag on Twitter. It might be using Voxer, uh, taking in a webinar or going to a conference. There are so many ways that we can kind of get these ideas, but also get the support that we need when we want to try something different and to experience challenges that our students might experience when they're trying things in our classroom. And if we're not open to taking risks, then our students won't be open to taking them as well. And so that means we have to be a little bit, well, do things differently than what we've been doing before. And as mentioned last night in the conversation, uh, and I fully believe this, when we become co-learners in our classrooms, we impact student learning in multiple ways. Students are supported. Uh, we learn right along with them. We build relationships and we all have that supportive learning network. And when they have time to go and explore what they're interested in or what they become curious about as they're learning, we empower them more because they are now the creators rather than consumers. And so many other things come into play with that. And the most important is that we help students to see that learning is a process. And in that process, they develop a variety of skills that will best serve them in the future. And looking back at some research that I came across uh, earlier this year, there was a, a great graphic that I saw on Twitter, and it compared the skills that were needed back like in 1970 with 50 years later or close to that. And it was really interesting to look at the chart because there were about a dozen different skills listed on that chart, and some of them did not change. Uh, right in the middle, things like listening, creative thinking, and leadership goal setting all stay the same, but the things that made a shift went from writing, reading, oral communication, those things kind of shifted a little bit. And the top two, which were writing and computation, and actually the third one, reading, went to the bottom and things that replaced it were teamwork, problem solving, and interpersonal. And so I think that's why it's really important that we give students opportunities like project-based learning or doing things like maker spaces, our STEM curriculum, and just getting involved in co-learning with our students. And I think that no matter what types of opportunities we do in our classroom, when we give them the chance to build those different skills, they will be adaptable to whatever the future might bring. And again, I am not an expert. I'm just trying to do things a lot better and differently than I had done them before. And so when we use ideas like this, we will promote collaboration, uh, the students can have a connection between school and their community. And then even when we do things like project-based learning, expanding where and how students are learning to a global scale and giving them a chance to learn about things that are happening in the world, build cultural awareness. And it just promotes such a great conversation. And we all benefit from this, right? We will build all of the skills that we need. We will become better communicators. We can foster our creativity, build critical thinking skills, problem solve, but we can do all of this together. And the best thing, and at the end I asked, what can we do as educators? How do we prepare ourselves? I think the best thing that we can do is to stay informed, find out what the trends are um, in education, in the world of work. And I don't know anybody that can accurately predict what the job market might look like, what skills it will require, what they'll need. But the best that we can do is to continue by providing different learning opportunities that will help students to build a variety of skills. And then they can adapt to whatever changes are happening in the world. And when we start by taking risks ourselves and do more and break away from the things that we have been doing and take some risks, 
it can be uncomfortable, but I think that when we do that and we experience some struggle and we go through some challenges as well, we'll be doing that together with our students. So as always, thank you for listening. I don't know what the next episode will be about. Actually, I kind of do. I have an idea. I'm thinking about some ideas for the new year because it seems like a good topic, uh, but we'll see between now and the next episode. Other things might happen in my world of learning, or I might have a different idea. So as always, thanks for listening to this uh, episode, and I hope everybody has a fantastic day.